welcome to this conscious life. In this world where we are relentlessly plugged in, yet increasingly disconnected, forever doing, yet so rarely just being, overwhelmed with unending information, yet still longing for the truth, it's time to come up for air. Here we create space for you to breathe, to reflect, to feel, to recall who you are when you are not doing, chasing, wanting, who you are when you allow yourself to trust, surrender, feel and flow. Our regular gentle reflections which focus intuitively on all that is happening in nature around us month by month, offer breathing space in the busiest day, space to nourish and nurture, rest and restore, just as nature intended. I'm recording this episode a couple of weeks after starting a brand new job. As some of you know, I've worked in magazines for a very long time. I've been a freelance writer and um, I was wellbeing director at Psychologies magazine for nine years. So I'm coming up to about 20 years in the magazine industry. And when I left Psychologies magazine and I pulled back on a few of my other working commitments, there was a real feeling of not being entirely sure of what would come next. I've often found that when I make the space in my life that something will very quickly come into it. It will be a new opportunity or a new project. It might be a new book or some sort of collaboration. And the thing I've I've been unsure about is whether or not the opportunity itself is a test whether it's asking me, whether it's testing me, waiting to see if I can honour the space that I've created, whether I can protect it and keep it open, have it remain as space, or whether I will immediately try and fill it with something. So I've always been unsure about that. And my instinct was always to assume that the space was made so that the right opportunity would come in. But I've been thinking too about space just as it is, open and infinite and conditionless, you know, a completely unconditional area room that's been made in your life and what its purpose might be and that's really a work in progress and I'm learning through the living really and though it feels only right that good and positive opportunities might come in when you've taken enough time to get very clear on what it is that you would like to move forward with I do wonder about our instincts and our propensity to want to 
to want to fill space, to want to fill silence. That, um, that classic example that's always given by coaches and the art of listening, something that we could all do with more practice in how hard it can be to just listen to somebody and let them pause, pause for minutes if they need to, not feeling that that space needs to be filled. And that's something I've been giving a lot of thought to recently. And when I left magazine world, as I, as I think of it, I wasn't sure if I would ever go back to it. I did make conscious decisions in terms of where my life felt happiest, calmest, clearest, and I made a decision to return to the holistic therapies, the work that I I trained in when well before my youngest daughter was born and started offering um close to where I live in Kent. I thought that perhaps Paul and I might write another book if the time felt right and it felt like something we had the space for and the the love for. We we write every day. It's as natural as breathing. I've never sat at my desk with a pen or opened my laptop and looked at a blank page and felt burdened by that. And we write we write every day for um, for our seasonal living course, The Clearing, and that's something that we work on and that fits into the sort of rhythm of our lives. And it's just a few lines kind of go down in the moment um, and we share everything that we've felt and learned um, on the full moon of each month. And we... We're moving into our second month of doing that. It launched in October and we're working on um, November now in real time. And again, time goes into it. A lot of thought, a lot of love, a lot of energy goes into it. But it was never intended to be something that we gave everything to. It was meant to be a complement to family life. Um, and it's working, it's working in that way and it's joyful and, and provides a place for us to, yeah, it's a home for us to put the ideas and the thoughts that rise up so often. And it's wonderful for that reason. I think it's, it feels freeing for that reason. I think as a writer, it can feel frustrating sometimes when we have no home for our ideas and we didn't need a home with conditions it wasn't about um, receiving a, a set amount of money to share them it wasn't about writing another book and being commissioned to do so it's just we would have we wanted to share we would have been writing regardless so how lovely it is that a home now exists for this work but now you know even as I say these things I can feel that, yes, you know, there's quite enough to be getting on with. But what was interesting, and this is a few months in retrospect, um, 
the holistic therapy work didn't grow in the way I'd expected it to. So I found a really beautiful space just 10 minutes from where I live in Kent and I had very clear intentions and I, you know, really re-immersed myself in the treating of my, of my wonderful friends and my clients, of using my hands again. And it is truly one of the most meditative things I do and I absolutely adore this work. And if I've been in my treatment room for a whole day, I float back home. I've spent the whole day breathing very deeply and I've been lost, totally lost in flow. My hands do the work, feeling into things. Often I work with my eyes closed at times because I don't want, I feel like sight feeds into the brain a bit more than hands, which feel as though they feed into the heart. Um, and I want to feel into what I'm doing. And it's peaceful. It's really peaceful. And imparting that to the people I work with through touch and watching them fall into, fall just deeply into sleep as I work. And then watching their faces as they come to and their faces are so calm and they look blissfully serene. Um, and that really brings me so much joy seeing that and, and being able to create that. But while waiting for my therapy room to bring people in to grow organically, I never wanted to advertise and I never wanted to invest money in, in sort of shouting about what I was doing. I, felt very, very strongly that it had to, to grow in its own time organically. Um, I also needed to support my family. I needed an, another income and that's the absolute truth of it. You know, our bills and mortgages and the mouths we have to feed don't wait patiently at the sidelines while, you know, while we take the time to grow our passion projects. And they, the passion project, my, my therapies were growing slowly, which was, which is right. Um, it's not making ends meet and we live rather modestly. We don't have huge overheads. Um, but even so, it's just a few clients a month and it's obviously not enough to support my family without worry. So there was a month really of wondering you know, where, where do I go next? And a month of getting into a little bit of debt, which is always sobering. Um, it's not something I've ever felt comfortable with. And the money I'd set aside from our book and from the writing work had already been absorbed by our monthly necessities. And so there was there was a period of, I'm really enjoying this. Life feels very quiet and very gentle, but work needs to be found. Where will this come from? And I'm not sure. I really wasn't sure. I didn't know. I didn't really know where to go next. And I didn't feel worried about it. 
but I was very alert to it and aware and open to other possibilities, I think. And that's why a friend mentioned that a favourite magazine of mine was looking for an editor and it would be be a mater- potentially be a maternity leave contract and in my mind that felt like a good opportunity a good solution because it was a finite thing you know six months potentially of paid and stable work that was creative that would be exciting and enjoyable it was a new challenge and one that I I sort of leapt at actually that I felt I felt excited about and as many of us do I went into it with no expectation but the more I learned about the role the opportunity and the huge creative potential of it the more my heart rose up to meet it and to seek it out and I soon learned that actually the remit of the role wasn't what I'd assumed it was it wasn't a temporary role at all so I had sort of dived headfirst into something um, that was wider and deeper and potentially more exciting than the opening that I'd tentatively sort of dipped my toe into. So I now find myself back in magazine world. Perhaps I ended up there slightly inadvertently, Um, having said farewell to it just sort of three or four months ago now. But when I was offered the job as editor of of this exciting new publication, I was absolutely delighted. And I grinned so much that week that my jaw started to ache. I was excited. I felt energised. And there's not been a day since that I haven't woken up without feeling excitement um and that feeling of possibility you know my belly and I've been keen to begin and keen to write and keen to create but and here's the truth with all change comes an unsettledness change will always upset the balance in some way and you know the word upset is a really interesting one you know we upset the balance we we take something out of equilibrium take something out of a place of um of peace and um stillness and we we bring some dynamism into the picture, we get it moving, we get it shaking, we get it uh, vibrating. Um, It's like upsetting the, you know, upsetting the apple cart and knocking something over. And we have to survey the ground around us and understand that things have changed. And we have to survey the ground around us and understand that things have changed and we can just keep rolling with it again movement lots of dynamism you know our book sat for 
talked about rajas, which is movement and dynamism and change. It's the impetus that gets things moving that causes us to go from inertia and stillness and lethargy, which is called tamas, potentially upward to sattva, which is a state of ease and peace and equanimity. But the rajas is the thing that causes change. And there's been a lot of rajas in my life recently. So I've moved from working solely from home, you know, where my children would be taken to school and I would have, you know, the hours between sort of 9 to 3, 9 to 3.30 of working in my own rhythm, working steadily, home-based, making, stopping to make meals for myself, perhaps doing some yoga, uh, meditating, um, mostly, mostly in the morning, um, to now being based in an office in London uh, a few days a week and I now have a commute and I'm home much later on those evenings and I see my children for just a few moments really before they, <laughs> they, you know, they fall asleep. I have travel cards to buy and lunches to remember and when I don't remember I'm buying them. I have phone calls to schedule and hundreds of deadlines in my head and things and people to meet and pages to commission for and the rhythms and the rituals that were feeling increasingly deeply rooted in my life. So my morning meditation and perhaps my lunchtime yoga class just a couple of times a month, my nature walks and the food, the homemade, the homemade meals, they're not the norm now in the way that they were before. And I'd never taken them for granted. They were something that I knew were real gifts of having chosen to live a quieter life and work in the way I had settled upon. But by accepting a new opportunity into my life, one that I welcomed, one that I feel very strongly about and feel a strong responsibility about and really truly want to create something of worth and importance that will that will really speak to people. This is not something I've decided lightly. I'm very grateful for this. But again, it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot of things in my life. And right at this moment, I feel a little like a penny caught up in a whirlwind. <laughs> and life feels more so now than it has for a long time, as though it's happening to me. And I'm just about keeping up with it. And this is completely unsustainable and I already know this and it's only very early days. So I already know that unless I step back quickly and regain perspective and that's a really crucial part, you know, maintaining my perspective so that I can navigate these new waters and make new choices I already know that in order to do that, I need to be meditating every day.
you may or may not meditate. It's something I learned to do. I was taught by Will Williams, who runs Bija Meditation. He's a really good friend. He's a wonderful teacher. And I was taught by him, I think, probably about four or five years ago. And I meditated every single day without fail for the first few years. I got a bit lazy about it. And then I went back to it. And then I forgot about it for a few months and then got quite unwell, went back to it. (laughs) Um, And I'm at that point now of actually a couple of months having passed in a bit of a haze and a bit of a whirlwind. And I have really not been finding the time for it. I often think of our minds as, as gardens and the mind part, our minds are most often exemplified by the plants that we see above the ground. You know, they're growing and they're visible and they are never really still. And the grass around the plants and there's the soil beneath them and then there's the bedrock beneath that. And we live our lives in the growing phase. You know, we are up above ground, we're growing, we're moving, we're reaching up for the stars, for the sun. You know, we might prune off the odd leaf, you know, get rid of the odd thing that is burdening us or weighing us down, you know, a habit that isn't helpful or just make a decision to stop doing something or give something away that isn't helpful. But mostly we are focused on more more, more, the moving forward and we're very rarely still and we might get a chance to clear the ground around us, just the sort of top surface level of the ground, so the the leaves that have fallen and are on top of the grass, we might get a chance to sort of sweep a few of those away when we sleep, when we get to replenish and restore our bodies and our minds a bit each night but we very rarely get a chance to go deeper than that. When do we ever go beneath the soil? When do we reach all the way down to our roots? And when do we stop? When do we ever stop for long enough to clear away, you know, the the pests and the diseases at root level to till the soil, to turn it, to aerate it, to make it fertile again, so that our roots will grow ever more deeply and resiliently, and so that we may grow up just as much as we root down. For most of us, our lives have quite shallow root systems. We do, and we grow, and we push... And we strive far, far more than we rest, repair, replenish or nourish. And the balance is off and that's the crux of it. Even in just these few short weeks that my life's rhythm has shifted, I can already feel it. And it's not welcome. We all need a tapestry of self-care and I need a new rhythm to my meditation and my home life, 
new layers of goodness to mitigate the commute and the late nights and the city and the tech usage as well you know I'm editing a magazine I'm on my computer more I need (laughs) I need a hell of a lot more flow for the ebb it's going out a lot energy is being used up a lot it must it must flow back too have you ever found yourself so full of thoughts and needs and doing and musts that you simply hop from one thing to the next sort of like hot coals jumping from one to the next with no no time to plan just reacting just reacting well that's the way i lived for many years and i i'm not going back there and i think part of the reason for this podcast and i always record these in the moment sometimes sometimes they're sporadic they're not released on set days at set times because I need to make the space and the commitment to open up to these (laughs) words rising up when they need to rise up and you know part of the reason for me recording this today is because I felt it was really important to be as honest as I can be about the ways in which the choices we make however wonderful however positive and the opportunities however good how they can still test us you know how when we least expect it those things that feel like the biggest blessings which seem like the biggest blessings and those things we long for above all else well they can also come into our lives to show us that if we're being mindless thoughtless and unconscious in our approach to them that then no more blessing than curse. We have to set our limits. We have to be incredibly clear at a foundational level before we take more things on and say yes to more things. What is a blessing? There are so many there are so many. Good health is the ultimate blessing. I think how bloody lucky I am to wake up healthy with a strong body, with clear lungs, with bright eyes and, you know, an appetite. How could that ever be to my detriment? It couldn't be. You know, to think so is just deeply wasteful, ungrateful. Yet because of our health and our resilience and our conditioning and our ability to multitask and do more than we should in a short space of time, we can fool ourselves into thinking that because we can do far more, we should do it. But while we can do it, we can all juggle dozens of spinning plates if we really have to, We also have to ask if we should be doing it. Ask yourself, should I be agreeing to all of these social and family engagements and plans 
when all I really desperately want to do is just lie down for a day. I just want to sleep. I just want to drift off and be left alone. Should I be considering this new job, this new opportunity, even if it's hugely exciting? But should I be considering it, given that I'd already decided that I would put my time and my energy into something else? And sometimes we make space in our lives because we're forced to. You know, for some of us, we'll fall ill. That's our body's surest way of making us stop and rest when all else has failed. You know, how many times have we pushed on through a barrier? You know, we felt a twinge in the shoulder or the neck. There's been a shooting pain or a dull ache in our spine. There's been an ever more insistent scratch at the base of the throat. And we know, we feel that we are on the cusp of emptiness, but we just have to keep pushing on just that little bit more to get the thing done. And then, when it's done, then we finally get to rest. And we make these unconscious promises to our body all the time. I promise once this thing is done, I will rest. How often do we break that promise? For so many of us, we promise that we'll give ourselves the break and the rest we so desperately need, only to find that the moment the job is done, that a new set of asks and expectations come directly in to fill its place. And for many of us, mothers forever in a cycle, an eternal, unending cycle of giving and doing and caring and loving and listening, and people who work and commute and are up and out and at them, you know, before they've even eaten breakfast, for those of us juggling jobs and juggling dates and juggling travel and deadlines and budgets and lists, there isn't a clear end in sight, which is why we have to make it. We have to consciously, actively step back and let go of every single thing we hold in our hands and carry on our shoulders and stop, even if just for one hour, even if just for one night. So that picture of the mind as a garden takes me back to my mind, my meditation practice, which as of a couple of months ago has really all but fallen by the wayside. And what has happened in my life since meditation became a rarity is though unpleasant, also really, really sobering. So my eczema flared up again on my hands. I had two t- stomach upsets. That's more digestive upset this month than I've had in five years. My sleep's been disrupted. I've been waking up almost without fail every single night. 
around 2 or 3 a.m. My temper is fraying. I have been far more impatient with my loved ones and I feel a lot more frustrated with myself as a result. And this is not a result of a long-term living of life in the fast lane. Far from it. This is simply the upshot. These are the symptoms in just a few short weeks of failing to invest in the things that help me most of all. The simplest things. A regular sleeping pattern where I'm in bed by 10 o'clock and I'm up by 5, 5.30 to meditate. Of bathing, using my salts, my oils, immersing myself, releasing everything, breathing in essential oils, aromatherapy, my diffuser by my bedside, all of these things. Homemade meals and warmth and spice and goodness and eating slowly never eating at my desk. That's the one thing I have honoured. I I will, no matter how busy I am, I will never eat at my desk. But I've eaten fewer homemade meals. I've been buying food out perfectly. Warm food, soups, you know, stews, the odd wrap, things like that. On the few days when I'm in the office, I buy lunch probably half the time. It's not the same. It's okay, but again, I feel the difference. I haven't walked as much. I've absorbed a lot less vitamin D. I miss those glugging lungfuls of fresh air. I think there's been less laughter, (laughs) you know? There's been more focus, more seriousness, a lot more carried around in my head. Um, yeah, there's been less laughter. So just take the time to write these things down. That's what I did before I recorded this episode. What, what's changed? What am I missing? Why do I feel this way? What are your non-negotiables? What things in your beautiful life are you never willing to cut corners with or sacrifice for any type of gain or advancement? These are the things that doesn't matter what anyone offers you. You will not negotiate on these. Make these things sacred. Honour them in the way that you would honour a vow that you make to a loved one, a vow or a promise that you make to your child to your closest friend, to your sister, honour, honour these non-negotiable parts of your life in that way. They are sacred. Holding myself accountable to all of this, in this process here, in this moment, of unravelling the uncertainty and getting clearer on why I am here, why I'm feeling this way, And what I can do to move out of the fray is essential. And I'm not one, ever one, for rules or regimens or diktats. But getting 
completely clear on the daily practices, on the daily choices, and on the non-negotiable core needs that you have, that must be the foundation upon which all else rests. You know, I love my new job. It's lighting me up, it's challenging me, it's really illuminating parts of my creative mind and my energy which felt untouched for a while, and it's communal and it's important, but it's just a job, and it mustn't have the whole of me. My family, my meditation, my yoga, my sleep, my food, my nourishment... These things must come first. And even in the couple of days since making these connections, I have come to know as surely as I ever know anything that the more of the above I can feed into my life, the more I can then feed into my work. The more I nourish my spirit, the more I can nourish my children. The more I meditate and listen the better I can feel my way into where I need to go and what I really need. We know that energy is infinite. It's never created or destroyed. It just is. It moves freely and it never runs out. But it must also flow in. And it can only flow in when we open ourselves enough to receive it. To listen to more episodes, subscribe at iTunes. And to learn more about living a more conscious life, visit us at thisconsciouslife.co. Thank you for listening.